0: from Bottom Line Technologies.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. My name is John Gaffney. I'll be your host for today's episode that asks the question, what does it take to compete in global banking in today's market? First, some numbers. Most sources put the number of global banks just north of 10,000. And while most of the differences among them have to do with sheer scale, it's not the only competitive factor. To define them, we have exclusive research to discuss on this episode and a special guest to unpack it for us. Xenia Winter is the Head of Marketing for Financial Messaging at Bottom Line, working alongside our teams who focus on SaaS-based technology migrations, making cross-border payments more efficient, next-level ISO 20022 messaging, adopting real-time payments, and fraud prevention. She is a veteran of more than 20 years in the banking and payments business, and among her extracurriculars, she is ambassador for the advocacy group Women in Fintechs and a member of the Women in Fintech Global Power List 2022. Welcome, Jenya.
0: Hi, John. Really pleased to be here.
1: Yes, we're pleased to have you. So in my intro, I skipped over a very important fact. You are fresh off a trip to Toronto where you attended Cyboss. And before we get to the research today, I'm wondering if we could get your key takeaways from that event.
0: Yeah, no, thank you, John. I think it's firstly, you know, it's really important to mention that, you know, Cybos is a SWIFT event. And so you'd expect the key themes to be around messaging and, and cross-border payments. And it, it didn't disappoint. Um, the main themes were pre-validation. By that, I mean confirmation of payee and uh, BAV, which is bank account verification, customer case management, um, SWIFT GPI, and also... I'm gonna mention it, ISO 20022, the impact that that has on all these, all these initiatives. Um, and they are all, are, are all interlinked. Um, but there were other key topics talked about, so inevitably you're gonna be talking about real-time or instant payments, um, the need to adopt it, and also the business case for it. It's been driven by regulation, but I don't want people, banks and FIs, to see that as, as, as being a hassle. Real-time payments is table stakes, and it's really what customers are demanding. And we can touch on that a little bit more later. But generally, we're very lucky uh, within payments and particularly uh, within financial messaging um, that when we start conversations about real-time or anything, we inevitably cover the whole gamut of what's impacting the industry. So a conversation on real-time will always lead to the impact it will have on cross-border payments, faster payments, faster fraud, how we mitigate that, looking at things like real-time balance, cash positioning, and then other initiatives like pre-validation. So when you attend a global event like Cybos, there are key themes, but generally everything that's on the radar will be addressed in some context or another.
1: Let's get to the main topic of this episode, and that is the third annual Future Competitive Advantage Banking and Payments Report. It surveyed more than 500 banking executives across the globe. You deliberately chose to launch this at Cybus because it was tied into the themes there. Could you tie them in more directly to what you just talked about?
0: Yeah, of course, John. Um, Thanks. So, let's look at one of the key questions that we asked which was what's your financial institution's greatest pain point when sending cross-border business payments and let's see how those tie into the themes that we've just talked about um, were central at cybos so just to recap on those that was around uh, pre-validation customer case management swift gpi and of course iso so the responses were that the, bit, the greatest pain point was lack of visibility on payment status at 30%, followed by slow or unne- unknown speed of arrival at 24%, which was also the same percentage of 24 for it being a concern of the cost of maintaining so many Nostro accounts and then trapped liquidity in the system comes in at 15% and then poor quality or loss of data at 7%. So if you look at that lack of visibility, unknown um, or, or, or speed of arrival and poor quality of data, these are all tied in with ISO 20022 and SWIFT GPI. So. If you're fully leveraging the capabilities of ISO 20022, then a lot of those issues around transparency are addressed and they are inbuilt into SWIFT GPI. So what do we mean by transparency and why is it so important? Well, when we look at transparency, we want to see everything from the full end to end of the transaction. So I want to know the details of the the sender and the recipient. I want to know what FX rates are being charged. I want to look at what intermediaries are involved along the payments chain. And I also want to have visibility of any delays or issues um, with the, with the transaction, the worst possible thing is a really valuable customer um, ringing up and saying, "You promised me you'd send me my money, and I haven't got it." That causes embarrassment for the for the end customer of the bank, but also um, causes annoyance in the fact that you know it's a very competitive roadmap out there, and so banks need to make sure that they're delivering exactly what those corporate customers are asking for and i want to tie in more about poor quality of data as well which is essentially if you're looking at iso and the attributes that's that rich um structured um enhanced and standardized data so if you have iso then it will address that issues of poor quality of data But there's a difference between people bandy around phrases like structured data, enhanced data. I just want to take a second just to clarify what the distinction is between the two. So the structured data is a sort of this idea of having predefined fields with the sender's account, uh, the receiver's account, you know, the currency, the date and so forth allows allows you to be able to have that end-to-end view and also because it's standardized that allows for interoperability so what? why is that different to enhanced data well enhanced data has purpose-built fields in it so it's got that extra information so it means that you're able to include information related to invoices or even tax details so that additional ability to add more information into the fields allows for even better kind of end-to-end visibility. Now, how do I tie this in? So when we're talking about this being a major pain point, this issue of visibility and knowledge about whether a transaction has been acceptable or not, we need to look from it from a corporate point of view. So we talked about that frustration. And, and so, therefore, it's very important for banks and FIs to be able to have some kind of way to address this with, with customers. And that's what we call customer case management. And there are two solutions in particular which Swift has got. So that's stop and recall automation, which is all about bad data or or. or changes in terms, and then case resolution, which is about amending due to incorrect or sort of missing information. Now, it's important because within cross-border payments in particular, there's often a disconnect because not all relationships in the cross-border chain have agreements with each other. So it may be that two or three know each other, but the chain four or five there's no kind of common ground or common sort of way of communicating. And this is where SWIFT comes in, because they're the common denominator, because they're all SWIFT members. So SWIFT sails in on their white charger to be, to, to be able to address that communication loop, to make sure that everybody knows what's happening to that, to that transaction within the whole kind of course of it moving from the sender to the recipient. Pre-validation is also relevant here as, as most payments fall fail due to there being poor data in the first place. So pre-validation is, is the process before sending a payment, where banks and customers can check the validity of the beneficiary's account by comparing it against um, a library of transaction data. So in Swift's case, this means over 7 billion payments traveling between 4 billion accounts every single year. So there we've tied it all in with the themes. We've covered pre-validation, we've covered case management, and we've covered the importance of ISO. The other issues that were that were addressed here, and I do want to touch on them, which is trapped liquidity in the system and also costs of Nostra accounts. These can be addressed by solutions such as Visa B2B Connect or other multilateral platforms. Um, So I think the main thing I'm trying to say here is that there are issues there with cross-border payments, but there are also solutions out there. There are solutions available. The issue is with lack of adoption or speed of adoption. So we can can make cross-border payments a massive success. We just have to keep our eyes open to the solutions out there to help us.
1: So another thing that was reported um, or highlighted in the report, excuse me, Um, was that legacy infrastructure and fraud mitigation continue to be the most formidable obstacles between banks and, let's say, satisfied customers. And as it did last year, migrating to the cloud, migrating to cloud computing and improving operational efficiency represent the best routes to overcoming these obstacles. So my question to you, Xenia, is we know what the problems are, but what does the report say about solutions?
0: Well, let's tackle legacy, (laughs) legacy infrastructure first. So. Banks and FIs are very busy roadmaps which are being steered by key industry initiatives from ISO 2022 to domestic and cross-border real-time payments, fraud management, cash positioning, you name it. So whether implementation is being driven by industry regulation or the need to remain competitive by meeting customer expectations, the pressure to deliver speed to market and operational efficiency, as well as meeting industry mandates, is causing pain and concern for those burdened by legacy infrastructure. So SaaS, cloud, even ISO 20022 are in themselves pretty dry topics and tech's tech. What is more interesting is how they impact the delivery and performance of innovative new payment solutions and remove the aforementioned pain of legacy disrupt disrupting innovation and creating new revenue streams that appeal to customers so as the payments landscape continues to evolve there'll be even well there'll be an ever-increasing need to be able to connect to a variety of systems simultaneously additionally busy roadmaps new industry mandates and competition mean that banks and financial institutions need to leverage the agility scalability and operational efficiency of a SaaS platform and become iso 2022 native as soon as possible so let's come on to frauds um and i want to i want to lead it back to to pre-validation here if i may which was that key theme that we talked about at cybos The pre-validation is also central to the industry's um, need to reduce automated push payment fraud. So, for instance, the payment system regulator in the UK is introducing a new reimbursement requirement for authorised push payment fraud within the faster payment system. So it's readily accepted that APP fraud is quickly becoming one of the most significant types of of fraud globally, by the way. So this should concern financial institutions, why? It places the responsibility of any payment fraud with those banks and FIs themselves. For example, the new reimbursement requirement is underpinned by several key policies. That will require payment firms to reimburse all in-scope customers who fall victim to APP fraud. So this new reimbursement requirement will come into force in 2024. While the announcement has been met with widespread approval from industry stakeholders, according to Reuters, the worry is that the UK's approach could inspire regulatory bodies around the world to take similar actions. So that, for instance, would be in the U.S., where the regulatory landscape is is, is much softer and, and does not mandate reimbursements for victims of fraud. So I'd expect a lot more initiatives such as confirmation of payee and other forms of pre-validation, such as bank account verification and more robust sanction screening requirements, similar to what's included in the proposed separate ins mandate to be rolled out really pretty quickly. So they're right to be concerned about mitigating forward risk, and they're right to be concerned about being held back with having legacy systems.
1: Well, let's continue that conversation a little bit, because another key finding in the report dealt with compliance and regulation, which is completely understandable, especially in the UK, where the New Payments Architecture Initiative, and in the EU where instant payment regulations are expected to come down. So an overwhelming percentage, 69% of the financial decision makers you surveyed expect compliance and regulation to become more important this year compared to last year. 88% said it would be challenging to remain compliant. So what is your view on compliance and regulations, and what steps can banks and FIs take to address the challenge of remaining compliant?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of regulation, right? I don't see it as a, I see it as a friend uh, rather than a foe. Regulation drives best practice and it drives standardization. We're in a global economy. We all need to be able to communicate and talk to one another. So having that standardization is so important. Um, and it also puts customers front and center. We We all hear about treating customers fairly. You know, regulation makes sure that, that customers are getting what they deserve from their banks and FIs, and that we're leveraging all these sexy new technologies from fintechs, and we're all working together to deliver the best possible um, service solution um, for, for customers, whether they be corporates or whether that, or they be um, consumers. If you've got old outdated systems that aren't um, interoperable, that don't talk to one another, that have got um, compiled of disparate different bolt-ons, then of course it's going to be very difficult to upgrade anything and move quickly. So I wanna talk about SaaS here. So we have this ability with SaaS. It's it's, it's in itself, it's pretty dull. I've talked about that. It's, what, it's the functionality, it's the ability to, the scalability, the speed to market, the ability to leverage best practice that everybody's using a similar platform. It's the ability to have sort of automatic adherence to these industry mandates that's so important as part of that SaaS platform. You're you're essentially saving yourself the the stress of being able to, of worrying about hitting those deadlines because you can do things one step at a time. Um, So SaaS is important here. I also wanna talk about ISO again. So there's an argument that if you solve for initiatives such as ISO 20022 and and pre-validation, That will enable you to reduce friction, leverage straight through processing, and in turn, improve your operational efficiency to accommodate new regulations and and pressing uh, deadlines. And lastly, I wanna make it clear, you know, why why are banks and FIs trying to do everything themselves? Uh, Why not try a hybrid integration model or outsource it to a trusted third party provider? So those are a few things I think that banks and FIs can do.
1: You know, one of the things when I read the report that I came away with is that for a bank to be competitive, it takes putting a lot of pieces together at a time when volume and the speed of change is unprecedented. So let's zoom back out a little bit. Given the findings from the report, what do you think are the most important elements in competing in today's marketplace and another way to put it what questions should banks be asking themselves right now
0: well i mean you know the key to you know in my view the key to competitive advantage is making sure that your corporate customers are happy right so banks and fis really need to make sure that they're properly aligned and um, with what those priorities are so again within the report um we asked um corporate customers what do you want from your banks And the good news is they said real time, they said mitigating fraud risk. That is the same as the priorities that banks and FIs said that they were um, identifying that they needed to address. So that's the good news, right? The bad news is that the corporate customers placed a lot more emphasis on cash positioning than the banks did. Um, And that's, I'm not surprised by that. Cash positioning is vital if you're sitting there as a corporate treasurer. Of course, you've got to know what money's going in, what money's going out. Of course, you wanna know what your real-time balance is. So banks really need to prioritize delivering solutions for corporate customers to be able to really feel that they're getting that full cash visibility. Also, corporate customers said they want more emphasis on fair, and here's that word again, transparent pricing, right? Now, it seems obvious, but the banks only listed that seven out of eight in terms of what they were prioritizing for their corporates. So those banks and FIs, to keep that competitive advantage, they need to make sure they're on the same page. Um, I also want to look at the sort of geopolitical kind of climate at the moment. This, you know, the situation that we're in. We're a global economy. So cross-border payments is going to come in here, right? Um, One of the significant challenges is the risk of unexpected volatility in foreign exchange or FX rates and liquidity risks in multilateral platforms. So the operation of platforms that processes multiple currencies becomes challenging due to these risks. So we need to be looking, what does that mean? We need to be looking at what What issues are going to be popping up in the future? We can predict them. We can preempt them. And we can start planning for the solutions now. It's the banks and FIs that are innovative, that are exciting, that listen to their customers, that are going to achieve that that competitive advantage the laggards whether that's with the legacy systems or those that are worried about and um, rolling out new different uh, payment systems and, and and payment methods those are the ones that are going to suffer john
1: okay all right so that is a wrap for this episode of the payments podcast my guest has been bottom lines head of marketing for financial messaging Jenny winter Jenny, thanks a lot for joining us
0: i, I really enjoyed it thanks john
1: no, oh, me too. So thanks again for everybody joining us and listening today. See you next time on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud. The
0: Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.